does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. So here's my question for you, Eddie Garrison, as the CEO of the company. And again, the company involves just once and once, just once. Mm-hmm. I want somebody to come up to me, and several people have texted me because I give my number out on the air. See, at five two three ninety two eighty eight. That's my cell phone number. So three one seven three one seven area code five two three ninety two eighty eight. And I enjoy interacting with people when they text me. It's hard when we're, when we're on the air, obviously. But um, people have texted me to say they're, they're in the company, which is always enjoyable. I want people to say I'm part of the company because the company should be, aside from the two of you as the board officers, the company is everybody listening to the program. So the question then becomes, um, Stephen Holder, as a regular contributor of this show, Eddie, you are the CEO. What, what position do we nominate for Stephen Holder within the company? Oh. Shareholder? Yes. Okay. Yes. Constituent? Yeah. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com, who joins us to talk about the Colts as a shareholder of the company. Is that fair with you, Stephen? Well, now I have a question. What are these shares worth? <laughs> well, that's what are we the, talking about here? You get to see Twiggy so in a couple listen, weeks. I had, I had equity in the athletic when it started, uh, when I used to work there, which was pretty cool. And then I realized how Silicon Valley works. Like, everybody has equity. <laughs> and so okay. when the company got sold, I was like, so what's this worth? And then I found out. And I was like, oh. Right, how about this? How about this? The shareholding, the shareholding property of the company here that you get, Stephen, is the occasional possibility of uh, completely random and last-minute Pacer invites. You know that is that is definitely worth something. That, I mean, listen, <laughs> that listen that goes that can go a long way. I mean, depending on on the fortunes of the team, right? So let's uh, let's roll with it. I'm good. Okay, so let me ask you this, Stephen. Let's say that it is early November, and I call you up and I go, "Hey, got an extra ticket to the game tonight. Pacers are taking on the Timberwolves. You want to come?" So we go to the game and we're sitting there. At that point, when I'm talking to you, I'm saying to you, so. What is your assessment of Anthony Richardson? Will we in any way, shape, or form in November have any more idea what he is than what he is going to show us coming up here? In other words, how long a window is it before we definitively know what the Colts have? Well, I don't think you'll definitively know, but I think you'll have an idea. Uh, I think that's really what this whole year is about. This whole year, including from the Colts' perspective, this whole year is about learning who they are, who Anthony Richardson is in particular, and and where all of that is taking them. So I it's my it's it's my uh, I guess prediction that I think we'll feel pretty good about him. That doesn't mean it's gonna be pretty. I'm not telling you that. I don't think it will be. But I think we'll <clears throat> excuse me, I think we'll see the flashes. He is definitely going to be a guy who reminds you in my opinion, reminds you from time to time just what he's capable of. The question is going to be what comes in between those flashes. Is it going to be just a complete mess? Is it going to be just you know some consistency or you know improving consistency? Those kinds of things. That's that's going to be the question. But he's going to show you the flashes, and you are going to you know it might be enough for people to 
to latch on to him and say, all right, you know what? I'm willing to be patient. I actually think it could be. That's what I anticipate from him. There's going to be a lot there to like, I think. Steven, I asked Mike Chappell this question earlier in the week, and I want to get your perspective on it as well. There's a feeling, at least when I look at this team and I look at Chris Bauer's position, that his hot seat, maybe not from the fan base, but from Jim Irsay, was semi-reset when they drafted Anthony Richardson and brought in Shane Steichen, and he's going to have an opportunity to rebuild things and reconstruct around this roster. Critics have pointed the flaws in the roster the last couple of years, the shortcomings that are there, and there's present shortcomings as well going into this campaign. Is there a world where the roster struggles so much outside of Anthony Richardson, like the, the roster underperforms to a point that that trust is broken to the point that you think, mm. do I really want to have Chris Ballard build around who I think is the future face of the franchise and Anthony Richardson? I think you're asking the right question. Um, the answer is tricky because I do agree with you that, that there was kind of a reset uh, and that's just kind of what happens with rookie quarterbacks. I mean, you, you don't get to you don't hire or excuse me you don't draft a, a quarterback and then have high expectations immediately so so the expectations are are tempered just by virtue of having that rookie quarterback and if you're on the proverbial hot seat that kind of gives you a reprieve so I think all of that's true um, that being said I, I I do think that there is there are some fair questions to ask about about the, the, the nature of this roster and where it's at right now, I, I think it's kind of disappointing. It feels kind of disappointing that, that there's not more optimism about this roster. You know, as someone pointed out to me recently, I mean, it is year seven, and it, it doesn't feel like this is one of Chris Ballard's better roster-building attempts. <laughs> and I don't know how he got there. I don't know if there's some intentionality behind that where, you know, this is – the more I look at it, the more I feel like it's a rebuild that they just won't cop to. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it, it kind of depends on on going back to Jim Mercy and and his perception of this. It kind of depends on on how Jim Mercy sees this. And from my conversations with him, I don't think he has particularly high expectations this year either. So I don't I don't think there's necessarily a, a world where Chris Bowder gets fired this year. You know, but I do think the clock is ticking. I, I think that is true. The clock is ticking, and at some point, you have to show the trajectory. I think by the end of this season, frankly, there has to be a trajectory in the right direction. It doesn't mean they have to win more games than they won last year. Granted, they only won four. But I think they're, you'll just know when you see it. You can tell from, a, from looking at a team what the team's trajectory is. And that has to change. That trajectory has to change this year. Not next year. It has to change this year. Steven, I've mentioned this before, but one of the, I'll say for lack of a better phrase, one of the brilliances of Chris Ballard or fortunes for him, even though the roster is not very good, even though that doesn't have a lot of depth in a lot of positions, even though they won four games a year ago, his word's not mine, he's bought himself at least three more years, right? Because you can't jettison him without knowing exactly in totality what you have around Anthony Richardson, correct? Well, it's it, part of that is I don't think that was necessarily the reason for drafting Anthony Richardson. No, I, I agree with that, yeah. but I'm just saying, yeah. you know. No, no, it's true. Just the nature of the NFL is, you know, the, the, when you are an executive, you're judged by two things, the coaches you hire and the quarterbacks you bring in or acquire. 
And so, obviously, those things lead to wins, which is the ultimate arbiter, right? It's how many games you win. But, but ultimately, in terms of your decision-making, you're, you're judged in those two respects. Who did you hire to be the head coach? Is he is a good coach or is he a, is he a clown, <laughs> right? And then, secondly, how's your quarterback work out? I mean, that's basically the checklist, man. So I, I do agree that – I don't know if it's three years. I think that's the question. How long is it? I think it's at least two for sure this year and next year. And I think then it gets back to the tra- trajectory that I was talking about. But, I mean, we saw this in Chicago. I, I think when you talk about head coach hiring and, and quarterback – uh, you know, drafting a quarterback. I mean, it, it bought them time in the previous regime there. So, yeah, I think that's that's generally true. I don't disagree with you. When it comes to this game, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, is our guest. When it comes to the game Sunday against Jacksonville, do you believe the Colts, from an offensive standpoint schematically, Stephen, prefer to come up with a game plan that exploits areas of weakness for Jacksonville? or comes up with a game plan that, for now, most kid gloves, and I, I say that affectionately, not in a bad way, what Anthony Richardson can and cannot do and slowly brings him along as opposed to goes with specifically something for Jacksonville? My answer is is probably none of the above. It's a slightly different answer than either of those two options, and it's they're going to play to Anthony Richardson's strengths is what I think. So I guess maybe that's falls under the category you you presented you know where you're you're kind of breaking him in slowly it could be that, that that might actually be fair i think what you're doing is you're putting him in position to succeed that's what you have to do and and frankly shane steichen is no idiot i mean he he knows this he also is the right guy i think to to do this with this type of quarterback um either you're going to see anthony richardson handle handle the ball and carry the ball actually quite a bit and I was actually my, – my next story that will come out, I believe, tomorrow, uh, talks about Richardson's uh, – just, you know, just the idea of, like, how much they put him in harm's way, right? How much do they have him actually run the ball? And then how does he protect himself? All those things matter a lot. Right? We just talked about how so much of Chris Ballard's fate, for example, re- revolves around the success of this quarterback. And this quarterback matters more than anything. So he does have to – they have to keep him upright. So anyway – the point is, in the course of reporting that story, one of the things that re- was reinforced to me is, do you know what team had, what, what team led the NFL in designed runs by quarterbacks last season? That team is the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, obviously, that is a product of Jalen Hurts being a very good runner. But Shane Steichen was the play caller, okay? And, look, he had, that's even more than, like, Lamar Jackson, more than the Ravens, put it that way. So, like, I think you're going to see a lot of that. I mean, it's what worked for Jalen Hurts, who was further along than Anthony Richardson, much further along last year. Anthony Richardson has a longer way to go. So, that, but that's one thing we know he can do. We know he can carry the football, and at least, at least they know that that can at least put, you know, put the defense on the on their heels a little bit. And I think it's something they're going to lean into. I would. So that's what I think you're going to see. You know, things like. The uh, the design runs, you know, options, read options, RPOs, all of it. I mean, that is going to be the core of their offense, I think, for the time being. And it's those are the things that Anthony Richardson is most comfortable in. Stephen Holder with us, covers the Colts for ESPN.com. Stephen, you'll have to forgive me, but we've put a moratorium on 
talking about by name the specific running back. Twiggy. Well, I was going to explain that, right? So we, we, we've been uh, co-opting instead uh, Twiggy the water skiing squirrel <laughs> for reference to the running back that shall not be named. So from, from your reporting at this juncture, is it still hard stance Twiggy will not be moved? Or is there any movement yet on conversations still being had about trading him? I don't believe you should close the door on Jonathan Taylor being traded. That that is, I don't think the door's been closed. I'm sorry, on, on who, Stephen? <laughs> on, on who being traded? Uh, you just gave me the rules, and I'm, oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry, we, we just took away two of your shares. <laughs> <laughs> Twiggy. Twiggy. Oh, so that's how this is going to work, I see, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so the, the the running back who shall not be named, and I, I can't remember his name for the life of me. Um, anyhow, that guy. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> That's terrible. Anyway, I don't think you can close the door on it. Uh, does Jonathan, the, 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 the guy, the guy, the guy. Does, Twiggy. He, does, he still, does he still want to be traded? I mean, if it's going to get him what he wants, yeah. <laughs> yes, and we, and we know what he wants. Now, here's, here's what I'd say. You haven't seen this running back who shall not be named lately. And my understanding is the reason for that is uh, he has come in the building and, and done his rehab in mornings, and then uh, they go their separate ways. And so it's like, it's like a couple who's uh, trying to figure out their next step, but they're still living in the same house, I suppose, you know. Um, you know, will they reconcile? Will they, you know, will somebody file the papers? I don't know. I don't know where this thing is going. But anyhow, that is where things are at. And I don't think there's been any movement in terms of, of stances changing or uh, any of that since uh, since last week, you know, when, when we had that uh, deadline pass, you know, the so-called deadline um, for the trade. Steven, what do we expect to see out of Shaquille Leonard. He's out of protocol now. Mm. Um, I thought, honestly, and, and you watched with a more nuanced eye than I, but I, I thought he, for the most part, had a pretty good camp, at least started to show you know, what we expect to see out of him. But what do we anticipate seeing from him coming up Sunday? This is one of the stories we, we probably haven't talked about enough because I think if, if Shaquille Leonard gets back to being Shaquille Leonard, that's a game changer. That is a big game changer for the Colts because, I mean, the last time he was even a shell of himself, which I think was two years ago, he was definitely not 100%, if you recall, in 2021. But, I mean, he single-handedly was wrecking games just by taking the ball away. So so imagine if he gets his legs up under him again and he gets his speed back, which he absolutely did not have in the minimal time he played last year. Anyway, what do we expect? I think – the expectations should be tempered, at least initially. And, and the reason I say that is because I think Shaquille's expectations are tempered. And we talked to him today, and, and he was certainly not robust in predicting or, you know, that, that he would be the same guy right away. He definitely did not suggest that. He, he seemed to suggest that he's starting to see shades of the guy he used to be, but he kind of admitted that he's not there yet. And so if he's admitting that, then I think he probably still has a good ways to go, you know, if he's at least acknowledging that. So I don't think it's going to be immediate. But the one thing I'd say is his presence matters. He does have a presence that, that almost no one else on that, on that team 
can can bring to the huddle. And and that matters a lot. When he's out there, that is contagious. So I think that helps. And then also, he's a very, very, very ex- instinctive player. And that is why you saw in 2021, you saw him still have the impact that he was able to have despite being clearly and obviously hampered by his injury. So I, I would agree with you, though. I do think you saw him blend in a little more this camp than, than we saw him when he played last year. Last year when he played, he stuck out like a sore thumb. And, and honestly, it doesn't bring me any joy to say this, but you, you watched him play and you were like, I don't know if he should be out there. I never said that in this camp. He looked like he belonged. And I think the question now is, can he find that next gear? Can he be that elite player again? I do not know that answer, and I don't think he knows that answer yet. Uh, this from Teddy and Anderson. Jake, I'm part of the company. I really enjoy the show, and I'm loving the interview with Stephen Holder today and always. Let's go. Uh, so, Anderson, so we've expanded now to the Donut County, Stephen. Company's just growing and growing. Well, th- I don't like that, though, because they're taking my shares. Okay, listen, I'm, <laughs> No, I'm, I'm no. Okay. <laughs> your, your, your shares are increasing in value because now they have value in more than just Marion County. Oh, okay. So, so you're a spin doctor. Okay, I got you. Yeah, of course. That's right. <laughs> Somebody did say you should be in charge of media relations. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Listen, you know what? I would I would absolutely be qualified for that. But um, listen, I, I would tell you, you know, when you go do this, uh, when you go look for seed money, that's what we got to do next. We got to go get some seed money <laughs> and uh, and get these investors to, to, you know, I can sell them. I, I tell you what, I can get in the room and I can I can put on a sales job. Let's go get. <laughs> let's hear the pitch. I love it, listen, man. Man, listen, let's talk. Let's talk. <laughs> I, I love it. I like where this is going. I, I need a second career, so I love it. Stephen, the best part of media relations for this company is outside of this station, we're the only media that knows it exists. So it <laughs> it should be a pretty easy job. Not a lot of requests you've got to wade through. You know what I mean? I love it. I love it. Listen, I've been uh, I haven't had a real job uh, in a long time. I so lost all connection here, Jimmy. You got to talk. I can't hear anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm all not right, kidding. I'll, 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 I'll throw one more real quick, Steve. Danny, do I have time for one more? No? Okay. All right. Well, Stephen, uh, I'm looking forward to us having weekly conversations with you, and I am glad that you're able to take on this second line of work with us here on Query and Company. Welcome to the company. Hey, appreciate it, guys. Uh, thanks for thanks for hiring me. It's, it's a lifelong dream. <laughs> We're glad to have you on board. That's Stephen Holder. I can't hear anything. Is he saying anything nice? I can't hear a thing. He said he's glad to be a part of the company. Lifelong dream. Well, we're, we're happy to have you, Stephen. I don't know if you can still hear me, but I'm happy to have you. Thank you for joining us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Joining us now on the hotline as he does, brought to you by Shelby Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. Matt Taylor is the voice of the Indianapolis Colts. He also is an honorary board member of the company that Stephen Holder is also in, and Eddie Garrison is the CEO. Jimmy, we decided you are what? President of the company? Is that right? That's what I got. Okay. Yep. And all of the listeners, of course, company members, they are the company themselves. Matt Taylor joins us. Matt, you ready for week one? It's here. It's here. It's here. I'm ready. I'm ready for my new job title within this company. I'm also wondering, what, what caller am I? Well, unfortunately, you were already on hold. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that shouldn't matter. I was here the whole time. It's a false start, Matt. Sorry. (laughs) You should be awarded for being caller number one, but unfortunately, (laughs) company board members are ineligible. How's that? 
No, that's that's terrible. I mean, I mean, just just because I'm I'm in house doesn't mean I have to suffer. I mean, I should be eligible for private right, like everybody Matt, else. Matt, this will stun you, but our company doesn't yet have an HR department, so, <laughs> so we don't know who to tell you to complain to. Um, Thank God for that. That's man. right. Hey, I'm going to begin with this. I, I we were talking about this earlier, but I'm curious of this, and I want your thought in terms of this game with Jacksonville, and I hope this question makes sense. How much do you think, as the Colts are looking at Jacksonville defensively and coming up with an offensive game plan, how much of the offensive game plan that they come up with do you think is directly designed to try to take advantage of what Jacksonville may offer? And how much of that is, look, we can't worry about that right now with Anthony Richardson under center because we've got to start getting him comfortable and designing things for him regardless of scheme that we are seeing? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, I think – I honestly think that, that, you know, in that regard, Anthony Richardson is is much further along than what people think or what people give him credit for. I mean, it's understandable, right, because he's a rookie. He's 21 years old. He's never played in an NFL game. But this guy's smart, man, and he's he's very sophisticated. And I think he's much further along – and being able to interpret NFL defenses um, than, than people think. Um, now, obviously, you know, we're, we're going to find out. I mean, the proof is going to be in the pudding on Sunday. But I think, you know, inevitably on Sunday afternoon, you know, there's going to be some things that the Jaguars throw his way that maybe he wasn't, you know, 100% anticipating, or maybe he didn't see on the field a whole lot last year, or maybe he didn't see from the Jaguars, that is, or maybe he didn't see in college football you know, at Florida last year in those 13 games, that's going to happen. I mean, that, that happens, you know, that happens every week, you know, to veteran quarterbacks. I mean, with the exceptions being, you know, Tom Brady back in the day and Peyton Manning back in the day, those, those guys saw everything. Same thing with Drew Brees and so on and so forth. But, you know, and, until he gets, you know, five, seven years in the league, there, there's going to be some wrinkles that he's going to have to deal with in real time. And I think that's just when his natural abilities and his, just overall skill talent takes over, you know, like when it's, when it's time to make a play on third down, I got to figure this out. And I'm at, at times I'm speaking, you know, as if I'm Anthony Richardson, I'm the best player on the field. I can just go out there and make a play because I'm more athletic than a lot of people. So, um, you know, I, I don't think the Colts are shying away or they're, they're scared to put some game specific things on Richardson's plate this week that are directly, um, you know, in correlation to what Jacksonville does and does not do on defense. So uh, I'm very excited to see just how much of the Colts offense we haven't seen to this point because they've been holding back like every team in the preseason versus how much game-specific stuff they're going to do just in this game because of what, you know, Jacksonville's weaknesses are on defense. You know, last year and that second game against the Jaguars at Lucas Oil Stadium, the Colts aired it out. Jacksonville was really good against the run in that first game. And so the Colts, instead of, you know, trying to bang their head against the wall, they, they took to the air. I think almost uh, maybe 60 times in that game with Matt Ryan back in week six, which feels like 100 years ago. But, you know, they scored 34 points last year. Alec Pierce had a big game. Michael Pittman Jr. had the best game of his career. He had a career-high 13 catches for 134 yards, and they didn't try to run the ball on first and second down a whole lot. Deion Jackson got involved in the passing game. So I'm just curious to see what the game plan looks like 
with Richardson and his natural abilities versus, you know, what, what, what is specific to just trying to beat Jacksonville that given day on Sunday. Matt, which group has the most pressure or, or biggest need to take a leap forward or return to form this year? Is it the offensive line? Is it the wide receiver room where you can point to guys like Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman Jr.? Pierce wanting a leap forward in year two. Michael Pittman Jr., another leap given now that he has hopefully stability at the quarterback position is the tight end room where there's no clear tight end number one or uh, an other, if you want to throw that out there where there's the most need for a leap or, or need to prove themselves going into this week one matchup against the Jags. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, unfortunately with, with this team, there's so much newness and, and fresh faces. It kind of, you know, to answer that question just kind of depends on, you know, the week in which you're in. So, so you know, I think big picture, it's probably the offensive line considering they took a step back last year in the running game and those 60 sacks. I mean, we've talked about that ad nauseum. I'm very confident that they're going to be able to do that. I think they have four very much above average offensive linemen within that starting O-line group with Bernard Ryman taking that next step. But I think to answer your question specifically for this week, this game, you know, we, we all have lingering questions about this team. For me, going into week one, when you're playing a team like Jacksonville with so many great weapons and a great quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, to me it's, it's the pass rush. It's the defensive line. And, you know, last year it was, a, it was a good number in totality with the sacks, right? They had 44 sacks last season, which was, I think, the second most in franchise history, most they racked up as a team since 2005. All good. But were they the most impactful sacks, right? Did they come at the, the most opportunistic times where they're changing the game? Did they come in the fourth quarter? Did they lead the turnovers? And I don't think they did. And, you know, with Gus Bradley and this defense historically, you know, kind of like Matt Eberflus, they, they don't like to blitz a ton. You know, they want to organically, if you will, get some pressure with their front four, with their defensive ends. I think they're pretty set at defensive tackle. There's no question about that with Buckner and Grover Stewart. But it's, it's a huge year for Pay. It's a huge year for Dio Adangbo. Can you get some consistency in the rush and the passing game on the edge from Samson Ebicom, who they brought in in free agency? I think you got to get some pressure in this game on Trevor Lawrence. You cannot let him sit back there and just get comfortable. We've seen that. Trevor Lawrence in four games against the Colts in his first two years is completing 70% of his passes. You know, last game, I think it was like 20 for 22. You know, they lost that game. The Jaguars did, but he was just, I mean, he was so ultra efficient in the passing game. Um, he's been over 70% in three of four games against the Colts, completion percentage wise. So you just can't let that happen where he's able to just throw to all those bevy of receivers like Ridley and, and Jones and um, Christian Kirk and ETN. You just can't let him. You know, dictate the 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 you know the the offense when they've got the ball, and that pass rush has to help the secondary that is so new, so fresh with Flowers back there and Daryl Baker Jr. So I think the the unit that has the most to prove and the Colts need it to take a big step forward is the pass rush with those third year players that the Colts are counting on big time with a dang bow and quitty pay. Hey, Matt, in terms of Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, is our guest. He, of course, uh, the conversation brought to you by Shelby Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. In terms of Shane Steichen, uh, you know, and we're only 60% the way through it, so maybe it's too early to know this, but just in game week and 
the procedures that go into the game week and building up to the game on Sunday. How is Shane Steichen alike or different? I guess how is it different in any way, shape, or form than what we have seen in the past? And by that, I just mean, does he go about the, the routines, the, the, the manners of getting the team prepared procedurally over the course of the week than what these guys have been used to? Yeah, I think with, with most NFL teams, I think, for lack of a better term, the NFL game week is pretty standard with all the 32 teams in the sense that, you know, Monday after a game is going to be kind of a come in, watch the film and lift and kind of get all the, the toxins out of your body from the day before. Tuesday, for the most part, is going to be a player's day off. Obviously, guys can still come in and watch film and get treatment and things like that. Wednesday is the big heavy install day, um, first and second down in practice. Thursday is typically your, you know, your kind of your your blitz uh, and your situational football day. You know, third down blitz pickup, red zone, and then Friday is kind of the lightest day in terms of the workload. But you, again, you're working more on situational ball. So I think in that sense, it's it's kind of like it was in years past with when you know when Chuck Pagano was here or Frank Reich was here up until last year. Um, that's a really good question, though. I mean, I think. You know, I think just generally speaking within his personality, you know, Shane's, you guys know, he's not a talker. He, he doesn't, he doesn't probably love talking with the media. You know, it's, it's part of the job. It's part of the responsibility. But I will tell you, like when, it, when he gets in this element, like the other day, I was kind of joking internally, you know, cause we were kind of like listening to the press conference. We were cutting up some sound, uh, you know, from, for, you know, sound bites for other things. You know, he had a 54-second soundbite the other day when he was asked about what he sees in the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, he's probably done 20 press conferences now, you know, from the time he was hired until, you know, this week. I can't remember a time where he's gone 54 seconds on a soundbite, but the question was a football question, right? It was a kind of a tactful football X's and O's, you know, schematic question, and that's, that's him, man. Like, that's when he gets in his element. He starts picking up the intensity in his voice, the passion in his voice. I mean, someone just asked him a basic, what do you see in the Jaguars? What stands out? And he just rattled off everything that he knew about the team, um, you know, in a, in, a, in a conscious stream of thought uh, right on the spot. So, I mean, you can tell this guy's very, very intelligent. And I think a storyline going into this game on Sunday is how is he going to be able to balance all of the game management stuff, plus being the head coach, plus being kind of the – you know, co-offensive coordinator, if you will, with Jim Bob Cooter, calling plays. Like, that's a game of chess in your brain for three and a half hours. Just thinking about all that stuff makes my head hurt. But, you know, Shane Steichen is a very brilliant guy, a very, you know, football, high IQ, intelligent man. And so from that standpoint, I'm excited to see what it looks like on Sunday. He's had those three practice games or tune-up games in the preseason to get ready for it. But he's taken on a lot of responsibility, but I think he's ready for it. I think he can handle it. Matt, do you think any one player for the Colts on Sunday gets more than 12 carries? Oh, I don't. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. No, I don't. And we were talking about that again today. I mean, if you look at you know, Richardson, last year in college, he was averaging about eight, eight and a half carries per game. 
Uh, you know, Miles Sanders wasn't getting 12 carries a game last year. I mean, the the running attack for the Eagles the last two years under Shane Steichen, I mean, when you when you add it up in totality, it was about 5,000 rushing yards in 21 and 22 combined. I think in 21 they finished first in rushing. Last year they were a top-five unit, and it was by committee. Now, I mean, obviously it's not going to be the running game for the Colts. It's not going to be nearly as dynamic as it would be if they had Jonathan Taylor, right? That That goes without saying, but – I think it's going to be fine. I really do. I mean, Deion Jackson, Evan Hole, Zach Moss. Zach Moss last year, I mean, when, when Taylor went out of the line of the last four games of the season, Zach Moss ran for over 300 yards and almost five yards per carry and had a 100-yard rushing performance in Week 18. I think it's going to be okay. Now, is it, again, is it going to be as good, you know, if, if Taylor were in there? No, of course not. But, you know, even even the Eagles last year, they were by committee. You know, Miles Sanders isn't going to be confused as one of the best running backs in the game. Is he good? Yeah, he's good. But he's not Jonathan Taylor or Saquon Barkley good. And Jalen Hurts had 760 rushing yards last year. You know, I, I think you're going to see five, six, maybe seven design runs by Anthony Richardson on Sunday. But I don't think you're going to see anybody early on emerge as, you know, a bell cow running back that would sniff 18 to 20 carries like Jonathan Taylor did when he was you know, out of this world in 2021. Voice the Colts, Matt Taylor with us, brought to you by Shelby Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. Maytay, do you envision a pitch count for Shaq Leonard this weekend? And regardless of, of that answer, where should expectations be from fans for his return to the field? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, he was asked that today. He said he didn't know the answer to that. That's up to the coaches. That's up to their determination on you know, where they think he is health-wise, you know, how much can he still impact the game. And, you know, it's almost it's almost like, you know, when Shaq Leonard's healthy, it's almost like he doesn't even play a position. I know that sounds stupid, but it's like he's just out there hunting the ball. And, you know, obviously he's got, you know, responsibilities and he's got reads and keys like that. But he's, he's just like a different player, uh, unlike anybody we, we've really seen in the NFL. He's just hunting the ball has this knack for being able to take it away. And that's the biggest question mark surrounding him on Sunday. I mean, he still has to clear the concussion protocol. Yesterday he trended in the right direction, practice in full, wasn't wearing the red no-contact jersey in practice. Um, But when he's out there, I mean, he only played 74 snaps last year, and he missed 14 games. And it's just a big question mark on – what what are we going to see? How how close to the Leonard of 2018 and 2019 is he going to be when he's out there? And does he need to be on a pitch count? How much of EJ speed are we going to be? The, are we going to see that? These are all a lot of questions going into this game, and I don't think we're going to have the answers to them until about four four thirty coming up on Sunday afternoon. But I do know this: I mean, if if Shaq is out there to if he's available to play it will mean that he's 110% health-wise and is able to play. He's not going to be out there considering all that he's been through. I mean, he admitted that came back too early last year, wasn't the same player, kind of raised his hand and said, I was kind of a liability. I hated watching myself on film when I was out there. I hated seeing how slow I was and the reactionary, you know, timing just wasn't the same. And that's all understandable. So, you know, he told himself, I'm not going to play until I'm able to kind of be the same player. So it's exciting in that regard, but they need his takeaway ability um, within that defense. There's no doubt about it. They need the defense 
to uphold their end of the bargain for the offense, and they need those takeaways like they had in 2021. Okay, so Matt, I've got this written down here. I'm doing a little pie chart. So we've got the query and company, okay? And I decided that the, the company, technically speaking, is all of the people that listen to this show. And my goal in life now is for somebody to stop me on the street and go, hey, I'm part of the company. I want people to feel like they're part of the deal, right? That That's the whole MO. So then- You're like the, you're like the Packers of Sports Talk Radio. <laughs> that's exactly right. Buy your, so, and, and here's the thing. Um, Stephen Holder is chief shareholder, right? We, we decided that. And then- Eddie is the CEO. Jimmy, we decided you're president. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Uh, I've decided, Matt, you are company spokesperson. Is that okay? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I can, I can PR with the best of them, man. I can spin anything. Well, Stephen initially said that he wanted to be media relations, but I told him the only problem with that is outside of this show, no media knows we exist. So, <laughs> so that there's not that much that you, that's like being literally like a fireman in an all brick town, right? There's not much to do there. So, <laughs> we'll just make you spokesperson, and then when something happens, I'll I'll give you a call and you speak on our behalf. That's it. I'll I'll just be damage control, kind of fighting your. I'll, I'll be. I'll, I'll fight your battles as soon as you guys get an yeah. HR department. I'll go to war for you. <laughs> That's right. That HR department is the next thing, that, and that actually scares me. I, I try to avoid the HR that department. Probably should have been the first thing we. No. The HR department yeah. will be the last thing that we bring in because they're usually the first one to tell you when you're gone, right? That's so we, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they kind of bring the fun level down about sixty percent. No the doubt. HR department always wants you to bring your playbook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We need that. We need to see that iPad on our desk about four o'clock this afternoon. Right? Yep, I've got that <laughs> phone call a few times. Uh, Matt, enjoy. Uh, you're back in your element coming up on Sunday, Colts and Jags. I know it'll be a lot of fun, and certainly look forward to listening to it and then talking to you about it next week. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, I mean, it's gosh, it's been nine months since a uh, a meaningful regular season game. Seems like even longer than that. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Looking forward to our our Thursday conversations, guys. All right, appreciate it. Matt Taylor, again, uh, joining us here as the spokesperson, but more importantly, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts.